So we continue our series in the commandments. Uh, this evening we'll look at the fourth commandment. So we'll speak of the commandment and the, the meaning together. The fourth commandment, honor your father and your mother. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise or anger our parents and other authorities, but honor them, serve and obey them, love and cherish them. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, by, by show of hands, how many of you have ever been to a professional soccer game? You guys ever been to a professional soccer game, right? St. Louis City is in its first season. Many of you uh, probably haven't. The ambush was, I think, semi-professional or something. You remember uh, them before that. Uh, but when you watch professional soccer, whether it's in person or, or if you've watched the World Cup, uh, if you watch the Men's World Cup, you don't see the United States anywhere. If you watch the Women's, we're, we're normally the ones winning. Uh, but if you watch professional soccer, it's a lot like watching this choreographed dance. And here's the thing. If you don't watch the ball, but you actually watch the players, where, where they move, how they're in sync with one another, where the person with the ball is up here and everyone behind them is getting lined up in exactly the right spot to the point where I always look at it and go, okay, you're supposed to be going towards the net. Why do you keep passing it backwards? Anything else? Wonder if you watch this professional game, that they're constantly moving around, but it's because they're, they're working as a team. And they'll pass without even looking because they know my teammate is supposed to be there. Right? We're on the same team. We're, we're, we have the same goal, and we're working as one unit. And it's kind of a cool thing uh, to watch. It, it, it's why... Uh, throughout the world, maybe not in our country as much, but, but soccer or football is referred to as the, the, the beautiful game. Right? Because when you see a team that's working together, uh, it, it really is something to watch. Now, how many of you have ever seen a Little League soccer game? It's exactly the same, right? No, it's a completely different sport. And the sport is blob ball. Wherever the ball is, that's where everyone else needs to be. That is a little league soccer. And so you see this giant like pile of you know, first or second graders just going throughout the field. And here's the thing. It doesn't matter what jersey you're wearing. It doesn't matter what team you're on. If you have the ball, I'm going to try to kick it. Right? That is, is little league soccer soccer. And so if, if you're coaching Little League soccer, the phrase you say most often is, you're on the same team. <laughs> that person's on your team. Don't, don't steal the ball from them. Don't kick it away. Right? Either that or, hey, guys, you're going the wrong way. Technically, this is the same sport. One is this beautiful kind of choreographed dance where people are on the same team. They may be moving in different directions a little bit, but they're always working in, in unity. And the other is this chaotic mess where people are constantly taking from one another. Now, let me ask a dangerous question, and maybe you don't raise your hands for this one. I don't know. Which one of those more resembles your family? 
the, the choreographed in unison dance, each person doing their role the way it's supposed to be, or the chaotic, I, I don't even know what's happening, but I'm going to kick this because it's in front of me. Right? I, I think far too often, and not just if you have young kids, but really our relationship with authority, whether it's parents and children, uh, whether it's the relationship between husband and wife, whether it's the relationship between citizen and government, employee and employer, our relationship with one another, whenever it comes to authority, tends to be adversarial. It tends to be that person is the enemy. I don't care why they have the ball, but I'm going to kick it because that's what I'm supposed to do. And so far more often than being on the same team, what do we see with parents and children? Children see parents as the enemy. You're the one that won't let let me have six cookies. Grandma and Grandpa, they let me have whatever I want. It's your fault. You're the problem. You're the one that won't let me uh, drive to go see my friends. It's your fault. You're the one that raised me this way. Now I've got all these problems. It's your fault, Mom and Dad. And in reverse, oftentimes, sometimes parents end up with this adversarial relationship with their kids, even if they don't mean it. Their parents will say things like, hey, remember when we used to get sleep? Remember that? What would it be like if we had the kids out of the house? Right? Or, or why can't you be more like your brother? Or why, why can't you be more like this person? Why can't you just act your age? or grow up. And we find ourselves constantly pitting ourselves against one another. Happens in marriage as well. We're, we're in an argument, and what do I want to do? I want to win. Right? We want to win the argument, so we do whatever it takes. We say phrases like, you always, you never, or the best one, I told you so. And we feel like we've won. Because the person that we're fighting against is the enemy. And I have to conquer. We have this kind of relationship with uh, those that are in authority and the government, regardless of who's in power. We go, I don't like what any of them are saying. I I, I don't understand how they think that they're ruling for me, and vice versa. Those that are in power can forget about those they're called uh, to, to protect and to serve. And we end up just as enemies with one another. In any relationship that we have where uh, there's a semblance of authority, what we end up doing is that person becomes the enemy. And what has that done to our homes? What has that done to our country, to our, our world, to our churches? When we see other people as not just the problem, but the enemy. You see, now we're making Little League soccer look more like the pros, because it's not just, well, I accidentally don't really know what I'm doing. No, I'm intentionally going against them because they're on the other team. They're the enemy. And I kind of wonder, oftentimes, if, if God looks at us like that Little League soccer coach and just yells 
to us, encourages us, goes, guys, you're on the same team. What are you doing? See, because we hear the fourth commandment, honor your father and your mother, and we hear it, and instantly what do we do? We go, yeah, I'll honor them if only they do this. If they were different, if they changed. Oh yeah, I'll honor the government as long as they follow these rules. I'll honor my boss as long as I do this. I'll agree with my spouse as long as because they're the enemy, because we're, we're, we've been turned against one another. And what God calls us to is to recognize, guys, you're on the same team. Because until we get that, we will never get to the point of honoring those that, that God has placed for our protection. See, that's what, what God does for us. God is the one actually, not only that, that gave us this authority, but God is the one that mends the relationship between us and those he has given to us to take care of us. Here, here's uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Paul says, this is at verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. He himself is is our peace. See, for the fourth commandment to make any sense, for honoring those in authority, first what has to happen is for Christ to come in and bring peace in our relationships. Because we can read as many great books about parenting or, or a marriage or communication or all this stuff, but if I still naturally, sinfully see the other person as my competition, as my enemy, it's never going to last. And this is why God wasn't sitting up there waiting for us to make the first move. That's why God not only sent His prophets, sent His word, but ultimately He sent His Son. For, for He Himself, this Jesus, is our peace. Breaking the dividing wall of hostility between not only us and God, but between us and everyone around us. That Christ Himself, in forgiving our sins, has restored us, has reconciled us, has put us back in a right relationship with God, but also in a right relationship with those around us. See, what we call the second table of the law, commandments 4 through 10, are all about our relationship with others. And these commandments only make sense when I understand that my relationship with God has been restored in Christ. Because then I can look at my parents. Parents can look at their children. Spouses can look at one another. We can look at leaders and others in authority. And we can truly, in Christ, understand we're on the same team. They're not the enemy. Sure, they may be causing some problems. 
I may be causing some problems, but they're not the enemy. We're on the same team. And so the question is, where is that team going? What is our goal? See, that's what God gives us in our text that we read from Deuteronomy chapter 6. He gives us our, our goal. Why has he placed us in families, in churches in the first place? This is Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign in your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You see, the main reason God has given us families, the main reason He has gathered us together as family that we call the church of God, is that we may know Him. That the faith may be passed down from generation to generation. See, God doesn't have grandchildren. God adopts each generation through faith individually. And because of that, that means parents, church leaders, all those that God has placed in authority, what you do matters. Because you are how God is passing the faith from generation to generation. See, the, the whole second path, uh, half of the passage here is talking about teaching them these words diligently to your children. Talking about when you're on the way, when you wake up, when you lie down. Keeping them as front, like right in front of you, before your eyes. And oftentimes, that's the part of the passage that we focus on. We go, all right, go talk about Jesus wherever you go. But the entire time, who are we focused on? Passing it on to the kids. And, and for many of us, that is our focus when it comes to our faith. The focus isn't actually on my faith. The focus is on my kids, my grandkids, my neighbors, uh, the, the youth that are in my life. And that's the only focus. In fact, recently, uh, there was not a national study. There was a congregation. A Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate congregation that polled uh, their, their families and asked, why are you in church? And you want to know the number one answer? so that my kids get good morals and live a good life. Number one answer. Now, there's kind of two main problems I see with that answer. The first, if the main goal, why am I, I'm in church, is so that my kids get good morals and live a good life, you know what that answer is missing? Jesus! <laughs> And the gospel, I mean, the whole point of what we're here is not so that we can get better, but it's that we can't, and so that God is good for us. That's why we're here. That's kind of a big, that's point number one. The other point is if I'm just here just for the sake of my kids, grandkids, or someone else around me, 
at what point do we get to talk about your faith? At what point do we get to talk about what Jesus has done for you? See, when we look at the fourth commandment, when we look at why God has placed us in families, we can't just look at it at for the sake of the next generation. That's not how Deuteronomy 6 talks about it. Let me read again the first verses here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Notice whose heart is the word supposed to be on first? Those who are teaching it. These words shall be on your heart. We're here because we all need the gifts of God. As He's restored us in relationship, as He's placed us in not only the family, the church, but in families, in our homes. We are here because God has restored us and He equips us. He calls us. See, we're on the same team. And so parents, don't sit on the sidelines and just cheer your kids on because we're on the same team. So get in the game. These words that... that I give to you today, says your God, they shall be on your heart. Right? The gospel that your children desperately need is the gospel that you need. The forgiveness that God wants to reign in your home is the forgiveness that he wants for your life. And children, that's why you're called not just to receive from your parents, but to honor them. In Luther's explanation, he says, what does honor them mean? It means to serve and obey them, love and cherish them. It means to share the gospel with your parents as we serve them, as we love them, as we obey them. Because these words that God gives to you today shall also be on your hearts. In a marriage, it's not, well, what can I say so I can win the argument? You're on the same team. Here's the thing. If you win that argument, guess who loses? Also you. Because you're on the same team. And so instead of looking at the other person as someone that I need to beat, as competition against what I want, instead we're called to walk alongside them because God has restored us in relationship not to be against one another but to be on the same team of passing the faith not just to the next generation but strengthening the faith for one another as God builds that foundation on our hearts. I mean, imagine if we lived this way. Think about how our homes would be different if we're not constantly fighting against one another, but we're on the same team against sin, against the effects of the devil, but, but also pressing forward to be the light of Christ in a dark world. 
Imagine how, how our families would be different, how our schools would be different, how our homes, how, how our churches, how our communities and our world would be if instead of this adversarial relationship with all those that are in authority, we go, hey, we're on the same team here. That we encourage one another. We submit to authority. We, we honor, respect, and obey. Because God has brought us into this one family, the church. Let me tell you, it is a gift. It is a gift to be gathered together, to be in this household of faith. Because we are on the same team through Christ Jesus, who has reconciled us to himself. So whatever the role is that you have to play on that that team, whether it's a child, whether it's a parent, whether you're an employer, an employee, a citizen, an official. Remember that the people you're serving alongside of, even when you disagree, even when you have problems, that you're on the same team, you're united as one body in Christ. For when we keep His Word in front of us, when His words are written on our heart, that unites us, and then our family begins to shine that light, that reconciliation in a world that has never been more divided. See, we are on the same team. And so we follow our captain, Jesus, who has overcome even death and the grave, and he's done it for you. In his name, amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus until he calls you home. Amen.